Jonah chapter 1. Hunter said he thought I had just decided to leave. But I, but I knew that song and this sermon wasn't going to happen without some water. So, <clears throat> Jonah chapter 1. When God created this earth, did he begin by just creating a single-cell organism, and then over millions of years, things just evolved into the way they are today? We would say no, but do you believe that there are churches that are teaching that today? They, they call it theistic evolution, and they try to use science to prove the Bible instead of the other way around. But certainly we would reject that, right? But then I would ask you, well, when God created this world, if he formed and fashioned every detail of this world, did he at that point when he was finished, did he set the world into motion, spinning out into orbit, and then just stepped back and just let come what may? If that's the case, we would be what's called deists. That God is totally separated from us. Or, did God create all things just like the book of Genesis records it? And now, he sovereignly controls and has his hand in the works that's going on on this world, on this earth. Yes, we would, as Bible-believing Christians, we would say that God is not only creator, but he is sustainer, right? That all things not only consist by his hand and from his hand, but that all things are ultimately of him, through him, and to him, according to Romans eleven thirty six. And so as we look at this text this morning from Jonah chapter 1, and we think about the purpose of the storm, God's involvement in the, in the affairs of mankind. Let's say it that way. His involvement in, in the affairs of man, it, it can't be more clear. It cannot be more obvious than what we see in the text. And so here's what we're going to leave with. Here's your sermon in a sentence, and that is that God uses circumstances in this life to reveal himself and to fulfill his purposes always in accordance to his word. We're going to flesh that out as we go through the sermon this morning. So I'm going to ask you to stand as we read again our text from Jonah chapter 1, beginning in verse 4. But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was like to be broken. Then the mariners were afraid, and cried every man unto his God, and cast forth the wares that were in the ship into the sea to lighten it of them. But Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship, and he lay and was fast asleep. So the shipmaster came to him and said unto him, What meanest thou, O sleeper? Arise, call upon thy God. If so be that God will think upon us that we perish not. And they said every one to his fellow, Come, and let us cast lots, 
<clears throat> that we may, <clears throat> excuse me, that we may know for whose cause this evil is upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell upon Jonah. And they said unto him, Tell us, we pray thee, for whose cause this evil is upon us. What is thine occupation? And whence comest thou? What is thy country, and of what people art thou? And he said unto them, I am an Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, which hath made the sea and the dry land. Then were the men exceedingly afraid, said unto him, Why hast thou done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord, because he had told them. Then said they unto him, What shall we do unto thee, that the sea may be calm unto us? For the sea wrought and was tempestuous. And he said unto them, Take me up and cast me forth into the sea. So shall the sea be calm unto you. For I know that for my sake this great tempest is upon you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to bring it to the land. But they could not. For the sea wrought and was tempestuous against them. Wherefore they cried unto the Lord, and said, We beseech thee, O Lord, we beseech thee, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not upon us innocent blood. For thou, O Lord, hast done as it pleased thee. So they took up Jonah and cast him forth into the sea, and the sea ceased from her raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly. And offered a sacrifice unto the Lord and made vows. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for the fact that you are involved in the lives of men. But God, we have comfort in knowing that you are not separate and unconcerned. But you as a sovereign God. Lord, you use even the circumstances of our life to show us who you are and to fulfill your purposes on this earth. And so, Father, as we look at your word this morning, may we be totally submitted and surrendered to you and to the authority of your scriptures and be obedient to what you are calling us to do. And God, I pray that you help me to speak only your truth that I would say nothing that is not the truth of your word and that God we would hear it as such and we would understand it and we would receive it as it is the word of God words from you and so Lord may we be attentive and Father may we be submissive and Lord may your word change us this morning shape us into who you would have us to be and, and accomplish in us what pleases you. And Father, for those who don't know Christ, who are not in Christ, who are yet in their sins, they're lost, oh God, convict them this morning. Draw them. Remove their heart of stone. Give them a heart of flesh, faith and repentance, that they would repent of their sin and they would believe your gospel and trust call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ be marvelously and wonderfully saved in this place today we love you and we praise you you're worthy of our worship 
And it's in Christ's wonderful name that we pray. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Last week, when we left Jonah in, in verse 3, thank you. When we left Jonah in verse 3 last week, he was running from God. Running down, 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 down that slippery slope, right? He went down to Joppa and down into a ship headed down to Tarshish. And, but we've got to remember one of the things that we said last week in verse 3 was that, that providence does not trump precept. And what we meant by that was because Jonah got to Joppa and there was a ship, that doesn't mean it was God providing the ship. Just because the ship is there doesn't mean that it's God's will for us to get on it. Right? And so Jonah got on the ship and he's headed down. But that doesn't mean God provided the ship. Because we understand this morning, very important that we understand, that God directs us primarily by his word. Right? It is through his word that he gives us the truths that we are to live by. For all things for life and faith, he gives us the truth through his scriptures. And so whenever we speak about God using circumstances to reveal himself and to fulfill his purposes, like we're going to see in the text this morning, we always have to understand two things. Number one, God will never work anything in your life that is not in accordance to his word. He will never do anything that goes against his word. And so we've got to understand that clearly. Otherwise, we become ruled by our feelings and our experiences. But no, we weigh our experiences by the word of God. And if what we experience don't line up, doesn't line up with what the word of God is telling us, the word of God is not wrong. The word of God is never wrong. And so God never, never will go against his word. The second thing that we've got to understand is where Jonah's at in this point in his life. We said last week that one of the things that he's very clearly running from is the word of the Lord. He is running from God and from the things of God. And so he's not listening to God's word. And I would say to you this morning that if you're at a place in your life where you're not wanting to listen to the word of God and you're not reading the word of God and saturating your life with the word of God, you had better not depend upon what you see as providence. Because you sure can't trust your experience if you're not in the Word of God. And so Jonah is running, running, running. And so God uses this circumstance to reveal himself and to fulfill his purpose. And we're going to see that very clearly in the text. But we know with where Jonah is, because we all know the story, but even if we didn't know what's going to happen next, we know that punishment's coming, right? I mean, he is the, the prophet of God. He is God's man. He is God's child. And he is dead set going the opposite direction of where God told him to go. And so we know that punishment's coming. But, and hear me, this punishment, or what we're going to see as punishment from God is not just so that Jonah will suffer. That's not, listen to me, that is not why God chastises his children. You don't chastise your children that way, do you? I hope not. I hope you don't chastise your children just to make them suffer. If you do, you need to pray about 
why and how you chastise your children. It's not for their suffering, it's for their correction. Right? It's for their learning. It's so that they know, don't do this, instead do this. And guess what? That's exactly how God chastises his children. It's not just so that we'll suffer, but it's so that we will learn what it is that he wants us to learn. And so, the purpose is for Jonah's ultimate good, but greater than that, and more important than that, it's for God's glory. Isn't that the truth about everything? That ultimately it's to be for God's glory and fulfilling God's plan. And so in this morning's text, what we've read in Jonah chapter 1, verses 4 through 16, the storm comes. Right? The storm comes. The storm is there. And I would say this morning that we would all have to agree that storms come in our life as well. Difficulties come in our life as well. And let me, let me make this very clear. You've heard me say it many times, but let me make it clear again this morning. Every storm, that is every problem or difficulty or trial that you're facing, is not always for punishment. It's not. I fully believe with all of my heart, if it is for punishment, God lets you know that it's for punishment. Just like you do with your child. You let them know why you're punishing them to correct them. Right? Well, God will let you know if what you're going through is for punishment. Jonah knew. Jonah knew that God was after him. Not every storm is for punishment. Sometimes it's just a result of living in a sinful world. In a broken world, in a fallen world, we go through sufferings and trials. But, look at me, every storm has its purpose. It has a purpose for what it wants to accomplish in you and how God wants to reveal himself and fulfill his purpose. So I'll say again that God uses these circumstances in life. He uses the storms of this life to, to reveal himself and to fulfill his purposes. But I added this to make sure you understand that it's always according to his word. It's always in accordance to his word. Never against the word of God. And so three purposes I want us to see this morning from the storm of the text that we've read. Number one, the storm was sent to bring God glory. To bring God glory. Now, again, all things are for God's glory, right? For our good, yes, but ultimately and primarily for the glory of God. God does what he pleases for his own purposes, for his own glory. You say, where do you get that from, preacher? Well, let me give you a couple of texts, Isaiah 45. In this text, the, he's speaking here about God using Cyrus to release the, the children of Israel to come back to Jerusalem to rebuild the city and the walls that have been destroyed. And in 45, beginning in verse 18... It says, for thus saith the Lord that created the heavens, God himself that formed the earth and made it, he hath established it. He hath created it not in vain, that is not without purpose. He formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord, and there is none else. I have not spoken in secret in a dark place of the earth. I said not unto the seed of Jacob, seek me in vain. 
I, the Lord, speak righteousness. I declare things that are right. Assemble yourselves and come. Draw near together, ye that are escaped of the nations. They have no knowledge that set up the wood of their graven image and pray unto a God that cannot save. Tell ye, bring them near. Yea, let them take counsel together who hath declared this from ancient time, who hath told it from that time. Have not I the Lord? There is no God else beside me. A just God and a Savior, there is none beside me. Look unto me, and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God, and there is none else. I have sworn by myself, the word is gone out of my mouth in righteousness, and shall not return. That unto me, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall swear. Surely shall one say, The Lord have our righteousness and strength. Even to him shall men come, and all that are incensed against him shall be ashamed. Watch this. In the Lord shall all the seed of Israel be justified and shall glory. The very next chapter, Isaiah 46, beginning in verse 8. Remember this, show yourselves men. Bring it again to mind, O you transgressors. Remember the former things of old, for I am God, there is none else. I am God, there is none like me. Watch verse 10. Declaring the end from the beginning. And from ancient times, the things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. Calling a ravenous bird from the east, the man that executeth my counsel from a far country. Yea, I have spoken it, I will also bring it to pass. I have purposed it, I will do it. Hearken unto me, ye stout-hearted, that are from the right, far from the righteous, from righteousness. I bring near my righteousness. It shall not be far off. And my salvation shall not tarry, and I will place salvation in Zion. Why? For Israel my glory. God, listen to me, directs the course of our circumstances for His glory. That He would receive glory through the things that transpire in and around us. How do we see that in our text? Well, look at verse 4, by way of the storm. But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was like to be broken. That word sent out is the idea of hurling or throwing. God threw this storm. And then even from the voice of some Pagan sailors down in verse 14. It says, They cried unto the Lord and said, We beseech thee, O Lord, we beseech thee, let us not perish for this man's life and lay not upon us innocent blood. Watch this line. For thou, O Lord, hast done as it pleased thee. Have no doubt this morning, good hope, God sent this storm. And it was for his glory. It was so that he could receive glory. 
We're going to see later on, next chapter, well, the last verse of this chapter and the next chapter, that not only does God send a storm, God sends a fish. And then we're going to get in chapter 4, and you know what we're going to see? That God sends a gourd, and then God sends a worm, and God sends another wind. The point is that God is involved in the circumstances of our life. And he directs them for his glory. For him. Now, I know what you're thinking. But wait a minute, preacher. Isn't all this happening because of Jonah's disobedience? Isn't all this coming about because Jonah's running from God? And I would say to that, yes, but you've got to understand primary and secondary causes. God's always the primary, but he uses us as the secondary. And God's going to use this circumstance of Jonah's disobedience to bring glory to himself through the storm. And it's going to be very clear, very clear in this text. And so at this point, here's the application. Listen to me. What you need to be asking yourself this morning, whatever you're, is going on in your life, whether you consider it a storm or whether right now things are smooth sailing, because you know the saying, we're all either in a storm, coming out of a storm, or headed to another storm, right? But whatever's going on in your life right now, here's what you need to be asking. How can God get glory from it? Not, a, not even how can I get out of it. How can God get glory from it? What does he want to accomplish in, in and through me that brings him glory? We're going to see in the next two points a contrast of how we can respond to the storms. We're going to see one in Jonah and the other in the sailors. But God uses circumstances in this life to reveal himself and to fulfill his purposes always in accordance to his word. So why was the storm sent? Well, the purpose, number one, was to bring God glory. And then we see how that's even fleshed out further in the second two purposes, and that is, number two, to reveal the running prophet. To reveal the running prophet. You see, when God reveals himself, and his glory, you know what that always does? It always reveals who we really are. It always takes my mind to Isaiah 6. When Isaiah saw God high and lifted up, he saw the glory of God. What was his first response? Woe is me. I am undone. I am a man of unclean lips. All these people around me are people of unclean lips. You see, when we see God for who He is, when we see God in all of His glory, it reveals who we are, and that's exactly what God does with this storm. He identifies Jonah. Look at it in verse 5. Then the mariners were afraid, and they cried every man unto his God, and cast forth the wares that were in the ship into the sea to, the light, to lighten it of them. But Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship, and he lay... And was fast asleep. Now, the question becomes, why is Jonah sleeping? It's in the middle of a, of a storm, and apparently a pretty bad storm. We'll talk about that more in a minute. But Jonah's asleep. Now, could it be that he's just exhausted from running from God? 
And I would say that, yeah, that it, it's exhausting to be running from God. Could it be that maybe he thinks he's escaped? I don't know this for sure, but I would think that it's been at least a day or two since he got on the ship. They've at least launched out. We don't know how long they've been launched out, but they're at least out on the sea. And maybe he thinks he's gotten away. I think probably, and more in line with the context of what we've seen about Jonah and what we're going to even see further about Jonah, is that he's just flat out apathetic. You know what I mean by apathetic? You know what apathy means? It means he didn't care. And I want to tell you something. Look at me. You run from God very long, it's exactly where you'll be. You just won't care. You won't care. You won't care about God's word. You won't care about God's people. You won't care about God's church. You just won't care. And I think that's probably why Jonah was sleeping. And so God's going to identify him. Verse 6. So the shipmaster came to him and said unto him, What meanest thou, O sleeper? Arise, call upon thy God, if so be that God will think upon us that we perish not. So the captain of the ship comes down and finds Jonah there, and he calls out to him. And if you compare what the shipmaster says in verse 6 to what God said to Jonah in verse 2, there's a striking resemblance. What did God tell Jonah to do? Arise and cry out against Nineveh. Right? Well, look at what the shipmaster tells him in verse 6. Arise and call upon your God. I just have to believe that the words of God rung in Jonah's ears when the shipmaster told him to get up and to cry out to God. He had to have heard the words of God that he was running from. And then in verse 7, And they said unto Every, and they said, this is the, the, the sailors, they said everyone to his fellow, come and let us cast lots, that we may know for whose cause this evil is upon us. And surprise, 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 they cast lots, and the lot fell upon Jonah. Now, what is this thing of casting lots? Well, it's something that we see primarily in the Old Testament. I guess there's there, there is a couple of, mentioned a couple of times in the New Testament. The one that, that we think of in terms of decision-making among believers would have been in Acts when they were, were choosing the one that would replace Judas. But either way, it's something that was done in the Old Testament, and they would take something, and people, depending on who you read, would say different things. Some say they would take like the, the, the bo ankle bones of a sheep, or some would say just some sticks, however it would be, but they would fashion them together, and, and essentially they would roll them like dice and see how it landed or who it pointed to. And that would determine the answer to whatever it was they were seeking. And when they cast their lots, just by chance, the lot fell on Jonah. Just by chance, right? Well, listen to what Proverbs 16.33 says. The lot is cast into the lap and what that's referring to is you know they would wear men would wear long garments and when they would sit they would have a a lap that they could cast the lot in the lot is cast into the lap but the whole disposing thereof 
is of the Lord. There are no chances with God. There are no accidents or happenstances. Nothing ever comes into your life by accident. Do you hear me? And this was not by chance that the lot fell on Jonah. You know what's happening here? God is pointing his finger at Jonah. And he's identifying him as the one that's running. And I would ask you this morning, is God pointing his finger at you? Are you the reason for the storm? Are you the one that's running? Are you running from God's call and you're running from God's word? But not only does God identify Jonah, he exposes Jonah. In verse 8, then said they unto him, tell us, we we pray thee for whose cause this evil is upon us. What is thine occupation and whence comest thou? What is thy country and of what people art thou? So obviously when the lot fell on Jonah, these guys have got a lot of questions. Rightfully so. Well, Jonah answers in verse 9. He said unto them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, which hath made the sea and the dry land. Then were the men exceedingly afraid and said unto him, Why hast thou done this? For the men knew that he had fled from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Everything that Jonah said when he answered in verse 9 was correct. He, he told them his ethnicity. He said, I'm a Hebrew. He told them his religion. He said, I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, which hath made the sea and the dry land. And I would say that's the God they needed right then, the one who created all of this, right? But you know what Jonah doesn't do? There's one question they ask that he doesn't answer. What is your occupation? He does not identify himself as a prophet. You reckon why? Could it be that he was ashamed? Maybe he was ashamed of the condition that he had allowed himself to get into. He was ashamed of running from God. Or, and I think this is more likely the case, could it be that he just had considered himself to have quit? He just quit. He was done. And maybe that's where you are today. Maybe you've quit on God. And God's identifying you this morning. He's pointing his finger at you. And he's exposing you through his word and through his Holy Spirit. And you know you need to repent. But notice not only does God identify Jonah and expose Jonah, he expels Jonah. Now I'm not saying here that God quits loving Jonah or even that God is done using Jonah. We find out that's not the case, right? But at this moment, he expels Jonah from the ship. Verse 11. Then said they unto him, What shall we do unto thee, that the sea may be calm unto us? For the sea wrought and was tempestuous. Now, if Jonah had answered this question, when they said, what do you want us to do with you? I believe with all of my heart that if Jonah had answered this question with repentance, if he had said, guys, yeah, I've been running from God, I'm the reason, 
but I repent. Let's turn this ship around. Let's quit heading southwest and let's go northeast towards Nineveh. I believe one of two things would have happened. Either God would have stopped the storm or the wind from the storm would have got behind them and carried them straight towards Nineveh. That's not what Jonah did. He was yet to have a heart of repentance. So in verse 12, here's his answer. And can I tell you, this is the saddest verse of this text. And he said unto them, take me up, cast me forth into the sea. So shall the sea be calm unto you, for I know that for my sake this great tempest is upon you. Now there's some who would see that verse and say, well, here's Jonah the hero, right? I mean, he's saving these other guys by telling them to throw him into the, into the sea. He's a hero. He's giving his life for the life of the sailors. I don't think so. Rather, what Jonah is saying is I would rather die than be obedient to God. I'd rather die. Now, folks, I want to tell you something. That seems like a sad thing to be able to say about a man of God. It seems like a sad thing to be able to say about a child of God that we would run from God so hard and get in such a state in our life that we'd say we'd rather die than be obedient. But look at me. I'm afraid there's some of you sitting right here that would rather die than repent of your sin. You'd rather, you would rather die than to confess what's really going on in your life. And to fall on your face before God and repent. And to come clean before Him. Can I tell you, He knows it all anyway. You're not hiding anything from Him. So when you see verse 15, what happens? They took Jonah, they cast him forth into the sea, and the sea ceased from her raging. Jonah hadn't stopped running. And he's still going down. Down to Joppa. Down into the ship. Headed down to Tarshish. Now he's going down in the sea. Still running. Still running. Down, 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 down. And I would ask you, are you still running? Headed down that slippery slope. And God has sent the storm and he has you right here this morning for the purpose of hearing his word and identifying you and exposing you. Won't you repent? Won't you confess your sin before a holy God before he sends you further down? You see, God uses circumstances in this life to reveal himself and to fulfill his purposes in accordance to his word. So the storm was, was sent to bring God glory. The storm was sent to bring God glory by revealing the running prophet. And then the third thing, and this is absolutely amazing, is that the storm was sent to save a group of sailors. Now this is why I say that this is really the amazing part of this text. is because God, using this storm 
we would see it as punishment and direction and correction for a wayward child is also going to use it to bring himself glory by saving a bunch of sinners. Isn't that amazing? Look at me. Isn't it amazing that God can use your circumstance even when you're disobedient to bring him glory? To bring himself glory. And the text mentions three times about the fear of these sailors. The fear of these men on the boat. And I want you to see how this fear progresses because each time it's going to be a little different. And it climaxes with the end of the story. Verse 16, but beginning in verse 5, they fear the storm. That's what it says. The very beginning of verse 5, the mariners were afraid. Now these were no doubt experienced sailors. This was not their first storm. But they were afraid. They were overwhelmed. Terrified. By the circumstance that they found themselves in. And so what did they do? What did their fear drive them to do? Well it drove them first of all to to seek deliverance in the wrong place, right? So, Because it says, not only that they were afraid, but they cried every man unto his God. Pagans, multiple gods, little g's, idols, and different things that they were worshiping, and they began to cry out to their God, and they're seeking deliverance in the wrong place, aren't they? But not only are they seeking deliverance in the wrong place, then they start trying to do whatever they can do for themselves to fix the problem. Verse 5 goes on to say that they cast forth the wares, that is, all the, the, the cargo and everything that was on the ship. They begin to cast it into the sea to lighten it of them. They do all that they can for themselves to try to fix the problem. And we're going to take it an even a step further. And in verses 13 and 14, after Jonah's identified, they're going to do all they can do for Jonah. Because even after Jonah tells them in verse 12, just throw me into the sea. Look at what it says in verse 13. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to bring it to the land. But they could not. For the sea wrought and was tempestuous against them. Wherefore, they cried unto the Lord and said, We beseech thee, O Lord, we beseech thee, let us not perish for this man's life. And lay not upon us the innocent blood. For thou, O Lord, hast done as it pleased thee. I would say these guys were more concerned for Jonah than Jonah was for Nineveh. They did all that they could do for Jonah. However, nothing worked. Praying to their gods, emptying the ship of everything that was on it, everything they could possibly do for themselves, even maybe trying to appease God by doing something for somebody else. You see where we're going? Maybe that's where you are. Maybe you're fearing the storms that are around you and you're seeking for deliverance and for peace in the midst of, of life. But you're doing it all the wrong places. You're seeking it 
through your idols. And you say, but I don't have idols, preacher. Yeah, you do. Your money, your popularity, your approval of men, you think that's going to bring you peace? You can worship and bow down at the feet of those idols and it will never bring peace to your life. It will not. Maybe you're trying to do all of this on your own. And you're trying to fix it. And you're trying to figure it out. It'll never happen. You can try to do all the good deeds for somebody else. And you'll never find peace in it. You will not. And so they feared the storm. And they began to look elsewhere. As God identified Jonah in the text. We've seen that. And that's where we find the second time that it mentions the fear of these men. Picking up in verse 8. They said unto him, that is the sailors, to Jonah, Tell us, we pray thee, for whose cause this evil has come upon us. What is thine occupation, and whence comest thou? And what is thy country, and of what people art thou? And he said unto them, I am an Hebrew, and I fear the Lord God of heaven, which hath made the sea and the dry land. Here it is. Then were the men exceedingly afraid. He said unto them, him, Why hast thou done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Now, these men, at this point, are exposed to Jonah's God. Now, I don't know, it's possible, possible, that they could have heard about the God of the Hebrews prior to. I mean, they were sailors and from port to port, and, and they could have heard about this God who rained plagues down on Egypt or who parted the Red Sea or, or who brought down the walls of Jericho and gave the land of Canaan to this people. I, I don't know. Maybe they had heard that. Or maybe just the words here that Jonah said was enough that caused them to go from fearing the storm to fearing Jonah's God. And now they're afraid of what Jonah's God is going to do to them. They're afraid that Jonah's God is going to destroy them. And let me just say real quick that this could be where you are this morning. Maybe you don't fear the storms of life as much as, as you fear God in this sense of what God's going to do to you because you know if you leave this life in the condition that you are in, you will incur His wrath forever and ever and ever in hell. And you're scared of what God could do to you. But then there's the third time that it mentions their fear. And that's in verses 15 and 16. They take Jonah, cast him forth into the sea, and the sea ceased from a raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly. And they offered a sacrifice unto the Lord. And they made vows. Now, I am fully convinced, and there's some that would argue this point, but I'm fully convinced that these men were truly converted. And I'll give you a couple of reasons why I say that. One is because the events of verse 16 happen after the events of verse 15. That is, they were not seeking God at this point to get them out of their circumstance. It had already happened. You know, there's a lot of people that will call out on God when they're going through difficulties and going through storms, and they'll make promises to God. God, if you'll do this, I'll do this. If you'll just get me out of this circumstance, I promise I'll do this, do this. And then when the storm ceases, they go back to their old ways. There's 
never true conversion, right? But in this case, the storm has ceased. The storm has calmed. They're out of the circumstance. And then they exhibit obedience to God. They do things that are called for in Old Testament Jewish worship. They fear the Lord. Now, understand, all three times it talks about them being afraid, it's the same Hebrew word. But the context makes it clear that this fear progresses from being afraid of the storm to being afraid of God and what He might do to them to now fearing God with hearts of worship. Fearing God reverentially. And they make sacrifices and they make vows before God. And they worship Him. What an amazing thing that God has revealed Himself to a group of pagan sailors through this storm. He reveals the running prophet? Sure does. He saves a bunch of sailors through the circumstances that they faced. The question this morning is what is God's purpose for what's happening in your life right now? I said earlier, you're here for a reason. There's no accidents. Maybe you're the running prophet. Maybe you're the one that we talked about last week that's running from God, and this morning He's identified you, He's exposed you. Don't keep running. Don't keep running. Because He'll continue to send you down. Till you repent. But this morning you may be in the place of the sailors. And all of these circumstances and things going around. And you being here this morning to hear the truth of God's word. And the word of God preached and the Holy Spirit convicting your heart. To bring God glory. To save your soul this morning. Won't you repent? And believe the gospel? Won't you trust in Jesus Christ? Because God uses circumstances in this life to reveal himself and to fulfill his purposes. What is that purpose going on in your life this morning? I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes as we prepare for an invitation. Let me encourage you to be obedient to the Holy Spirit. Confess and repent of your sin. Whether that be to be drawn back into or closer to God and your relationship to Him. Or whether that be to trust Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior for the very first time. Whatever the case may be. Place your faith in Christ this morning. Repent. Believe the gospel. Allow God to fulfill that purpose in your life.